Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have gathered us here together this afternoon as your people, that you have called us as your children, that you are our Father and we are your children. Father, we thank you so much for your Spirit guiding us. Holy Spirit, please, would you open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears this afternoon to hear as you speak to us through your word. Father, help us to see the beauty of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Help us to know that he is with us, even today. And we pray this all in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Great. Um, I was chatting to someone at the start of the service, and they were saying, oh, Maverick, it's a really great movie. Anyone know it? It's, a, it's like the sequel to Top Gun. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it's great. But there's an even greater movie, I still think. It's still one that nothing else can get close to. It's the greatest book, the greatest movie. It's The Lord of the Rings. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Now, if you know the story of The, the Lord of the Rings, you've got Frodo, this little hobbit, with these little people with like furry feet. Um, and he's sent on a mission to take this ring back into the depths of the enemy, into Mordor. It is a pretty, pretty scary mission that he has. And so what they do is they gather this Fellowship of the Rings, that's what it's called, the first one's called the Fellowship of the Rings, uh, of the Rings, where uh, you get humans and elves and dwarves all coming together as a team, as a fellowship, to go and help Frodo on his mission. But as the mission journey goes on, it's, it seems so ho hopeful at the start, but as the mission journey goes on, one, and, one by one they start to disappear off. Slowly, the enemies overwhelm them, and the fellowship breaks up. And at the end, Frodo is kind of trudging along, creeping along towards Mordor. But there is a key character, a friend who sticks with Frodo right until the end. And that's Sam Gamgee. It's a beautiful picture of friendship, of loyalty. Even when Frodo says, hey, look, you don't need to come with me anymore, Sam appears. He's with him all the way, right to the end. See, there are moments in the story where you kind of wonder, if Sam hadn't been there, what might have happened? See, on a challenging mission like that, having a trusted companion makes a huge difference. This week, we, I said, we, we, as John T. mentioned, we're coming to the end of our Great Commission series. We've been looking slowly through this, these two verses at each phrase, step by step, trying to get to grips with this mission that Jesus has called us to as a church, as his followers. And in these two small verses, just reading over them again, thinking about what we've been going through, there's a lot packed in there. The task, the mission is huge. Jesus, the one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, who is the authority above all authorities, commands us to go, to go and make disciples, to share the gospel and our lives with others. But the mission was not just to sit around Galilee, but it was go, to go to all the nations. I mean, talk about expanding your horizon. 
And then we're called to baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, calling his followers to enter into this story of salvation. But it doesn't stop there. Then we have to teach them to obey. Not just to teach them so that they learn things in their minds, but to teach them to obey, that their lives might be transformed to live for Jesus. And that's not just in one or two things, but it's in everything Jesus commanded. We don't shy away from things or ignore things. Everything Jesus commanded. Now, can you imagine being one of the 11 disciples standing there hearing this? You were so excited. Jesus has risen from the grave. This is so good to see him again. And he just dumps chore after chore, task after task. It's like your mom saying, can you do this? Can you wash the dishes? Can you make your bed? You know, that feeling? And the hearts start to sink. Weight after weight is piled on of this great commission. This seems like mission impossible or commission impossible. And humanly speaking, it seems like it. How can 11 men from Galilee change the world? How are we today supposed to carry on this mission that Jesus has given to his disciples? At least they had him there. They saw his ministry before their own eyes. How are we supposed to do that 2,000 years later? How do we go about doing this? Here's why. Because we have the greatest companion imaginable. Because we have the greatest companion imaginable imaginable. That's why. Whenever you press on as a Christian, whenever you press on with the task that Jesus has given us, whenever we face challenge and opposition, we need to remember we have the greatest companion imaginable. Because as we set off on this great commission, this great companion is saying, I am with you. He is there as your Lord, but he's also there as your companion, as your friend, the one who will prop you up, the one who will give you the words to say, who will encourage you and strengthen you. And all of us sitting here this afternoon need to hear these words of Jesus. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what I'm going to do this afternoon is I'm just going to, I know we've been looking at phrase by phrase, but I'm going to go even further and pick this phrase apart into even smaller phrases and go step by step, looking at who is speaking, what are they saying, and when is this for? Who's speaking? Surely I. That's how it starts. Surely I. The word surely there, it it sometimes has this meaning of behold, pay attention. It's when Jesus is about to do something significant, to reveal something about himself. He says, look, come on, look, look, just watch. So you can imagine, do you you know this phrase, "migo," My eyes glaze over. It's when someone starts telling you something, you're like, what are they on about? Your eyes start to glaze over. You start staring into the distance. That is what's going on here. The disciples hear of this great task coming upon them. They're staring into the distance. I've never left Galilee before. I have no idea about the cultures out there. I've never taught anybody before. That's, that's what Jesus has been doing. How am, I supposed to, how, how am I supposed to get along doing this? All sorts of thoughts are piling up on their minds. And then Jesus shouts, behold, look. I'm about to show you something, something significant. Surely I and with you. I. It's me. Don't forget who I am. Remember that he is the one who's been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Remember, he is the risen king. Death could not contain him. Death has authority over every human being in this world. Every world leader, no matter how great, no matter how famous, will always submit to the authority of death, except for Jesus. See my scars in my hands, my head, my feet. You saw it with your own eyes. You saw me dead and buried, but here I am, risen, conquered over death, standing before you. 
This is the risen king who has all authority over heaven and earth given to him. No one is greater or mightier or higher than Jesus. But here's a second reason. Because Jesus is Emmanuel. See, Matthew, at the start of this gospel, starts with this. In Matthew 1.23, he says, look, Jesus is coming. He's not just a wise man, a sage, a rabbi, but this is Emmanuel, God coming to be with us. I love this. Matthew's gospel is like a gospel sandwich. Just imagine it. Top ten tell with God saying, I am with you, my people. That's always been God's plan. I am with you from start to finish. Emmanuel, God with us. That's a quote from the Old Testament in Isaiah. God said he was coming, and Matthew says, look, here he is. This is him. This is him, Jesus. Funny enough, in Matthew 1.23, that same word, word, behold, is there. Behold, here comes Emmanuel. Behold, here comes God in flesh to finally fulfill that prophecy in the Old Testament. And in this final fulfillment, God was not just coming to be Emmanuel just for a moment. Just for those few years that Jesus walked on the earth. But as the Son of God stepped into the, into the world, God was ushering in an entire new era. It's like the Apple moment in 2007. As much as I hate to admit it, I'm Korean, so I'm all about Samsung. But on January, on January the 9th, 2007, Steve Jobs, the then CEO, he stood up at this conference. And he basically said, here's an iPod. I just realized a lot of people might not know what an iPod is. An iPod is an MP3 player, basically a music player. It had this little clicky wheel thing. It was revolutionary at the time. And what he did was he said, here's an iPod. Here's a phone. Boom. iPhone. That is a new era because that changed the face of the mobile phone industry. Not just that, but it changed the face of, of the way we communicate as a, as, a, as a human race. And then Samsung took over uh, at top in 2020. Just had to say that. But look, I'm not here to sell mobile phones. Um, <laughs> look, this is what I mean. It's a new era. In the Old Testament, God would often commission people to do certain things to go on a mission, to go and rescue people, to, to build parts of his temple. And we often hear that language in the, in, the New, in the Old Testament saying, look, the Spirit of God came upon him. When leaders are commissioned to do something, the Spirit of God would come upon them so that they would go and fulfill God's will. Samson is a great example of this. You know the story of Samson, the mighty man? Every time he went to bash some Philistines, the Spirit of God was upon him. But here with Jesus, with Emmanuel, is a new era. I love this. We, we, we actually forgot about Pentecost, but it's as though God kind of knew this would all fit in. Because now the Holy Spirit is with God's people. That is what Pentecost is about, the coming of the promised spirit. See, when Jesus began his ministry, his message was, look, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In essence, he was saying, look, I'm here, and the time for the kingdom of heaven is coming. It's so close. It's so close. And then he died. He rose again to rule and reign as the victorious risen Lord, and the kingdom of heaven is no longer near, but it's here. And with that coming kingdom comes the coming of the king who is with his people. As Jesus died and rose again, he paved the way, he opened the way for all of those to come to God as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. For all of us to have access to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. That is why Jesus gives us all the Spirit. So that we may know who he is, that we may know the Father, and we know that he is commissioning us to go and make disciples. 
So right at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is saying, look, I command you with all authority, but I'm commanding you also as Emmanuel, as God with us. I am with you. Surely I. Remember, I'm not just some bumbling little hobbit like Sam, as great as he is, but I am the promised Emmanuel, God with us. That's the who. So what? What is he saying? I am with you. Now, I get that at this point, some might be asking, but I thought Jesus leaves after this. He ascends into heaven to, to sit at the right hand of God the Almighty. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we say in the creed as we've been looking at the Apostles' Creed together. And that is right. But this is the great mystery and wonder of the Trinity. God, three in one, one in three persons. In John's gospel, Jesus promises that as he leaves, he will give us, his disciples, a counselor, an advocate, a comforter, the Spirit. But John also says that those who trust in Jesus, in John 14, the Father will abide in them, will live in them. And the same John in 1 John 5 says, how the believers all have the Son in them. See, we often try and be so neat and and tidy with our theological lines to say Jesus is up there, but the Spirit's down here. But, But Matthew's nuancing this and saying, look, Jesus is with us always by his Spirit. In this great, wonderful mystery of the Trinity, Jesus is with us today. His presence continues with us, his disciples, even today. And so to pick up on the idea earlier about the Old Testament, where the Spirit of God would come upon particular people at different points of time. Now through Jesus, the Spirit is present with all of us now. Jesus is with each and every one of us who trust in him right now. That's why it's not just, this isn't just a commission. This is the great commission. We're no longer in an era where commissions are just for particular people. This isn't just for the pastor, for the teacher, for the elder, the staff member, but this is for all who follow Christ. All of his disciples. The Spirit is given to us all who trust in Jesus. That is why Jesus said this to the 11. He didn't just say it to Peter or John. The you here is plural. You guys go and make disciples of all nations. That is why we are called to go, to go and make disciples of all nations. Because Jesus is with each of us by his spirit. Okay, so when? See, I think Jesus knew the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge wouldn't be to know that Jesus is with us. See, in in these moments when we hear this, we're like, yes and amen, I'm with that. But the challenge would be as we wait. Because time can make it easy to forget the simple truth that Jesus is with us. As time goes on, it's so easy to take things for granted, isn't it? It's like us living in, most of us live in and around London. We're surrounded by these iconic buildings, St. Paul's Cathedral, the Globe Theatre, Tower Bridge. They're right around the corner from all of us. And we we get used to it. We walk past and we're like, oh, yeah, there there it is. And then one of your friends out in the sticks, way out there, they come into London. They're like, wow, you live this close to the Globe Theatre? I mean, Jonty's right there. You can see it from his window. You live this close to the Tower Bridge, and, you're, and then you're like, oh yeah, actually, that is pretty cool. Yeah, so, it, guys, appreciate that you live near these iconic places. It sounds like I'm telling you to go on tours around London with Samsung mobile phones. Um, might as well get your selfie sticks as well. Uh, but time, this is the point. Time can make us forget. 
And that's why I think Jesus, there's a lot of emphasis on time here in these verses. See, the first thing he says is this, and surely I will be with you. Surely I will be with you. If you're looking carefully at the verses, you might think, hang on, Mike, that's not what it says. And you're right. But that sounds quite natural to us, doesn't it? Without thinking, you might read it that way. But get this, Jesus doesn't say, I will be with you. He says, no, I am with you. If you're trusting in Jesus, he is with you right now. This is significant because it guards against this wrong understanding of Jesus, how Jesus is with us. Because there's a danger that you start thinking, he's only with me when I'm doing doing the Great Commission. But you need to get this. Jesus isn't with you because you go and make disciples. Jesus is with you so that you can go and make disciples. It's a small but important difference. He's not with you because you go and make disciples. He's with you so that you can go and make disciples. It's not only when you see some success in disciple making that you can say, oh, Jesus was with me in that. No, Jesus is with you now in the highs and the lows of life, in the exciting times when people are growing as you teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded you, but also in the low times when that person you were meant to meet up with doesn't turn up. Jesus won't disappoint you because he says, I surely I am with you. See, it's funny, in this world, as people kind of progress and become leaders, you start to actually see them withdraw from the front line. You start to see them sitting in these offices with soundproof glasses and locked doors. But this is why Jesus is the beautiful leader. Because his kingdom is entirely different. Because when he sends us out with the Great Commission, he's not like a CEO who sits in his office behind some soundproof glass where you need to get in line to go and meet with him. But he steps out of his office to be there with each of us. In fact, he doesn't even have an office. He's out there with us already. That is who Jesus is. And so with Jesus, we can step out in faith, knowing that this great disciple maker is with us, guiding us, giving us strength to fulfill his great commission now. I am, not I will. He never says to you, I'm too busy for you this week. How about next week? He never says even, just give me a few minutes. I'm just going to nip to the loo. His diary, diary is always full with your name to say, I'm with you now. So come, let's go. But then it's not just now. Surely I'm with you always. All the time. Jesus doesn't dip in and out. He doesn't take a break, but he's always there. In the Old Testament, when God commissioned Joshua, which also happens to be the Hebrew version of Jesus, when he commissions Joshua to lead the people of God into the promised land, God promises him that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, when we read the book of Joshua, we need to remember that is reserved for the leader of God's people at that time. But now in Christ, through Jesus, we can see how this applies to us as as God commissions us to go. As Jesus says, I am with you always, we can hear that word echoing in Jesus' mouth, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you as I commission you. Because he is the greatest companion we could imagine, who stands with us always, who never forsakes us or abandons us. Surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. When Matthew speaks of the end of the age, it's often in the context of speaking of the final day of judgment. I think this is important for two reasons. Firstly, because it gives us hope. 
as we look to the very end of the age, it means that there's a time coming when all things will end, will, will be complete, when Jesus will return to judge once and for all and bring perfect justice. Sort of linked to what Ryan was telling us about in the creed last week. He will come to judge the living and the dead, and we can take heart about that. It should make, forward, make us look forward to and long to see Jesus face to face as he returns to rule once and for all. And the Great Commission will come to completion on that day. And so we press on, looking forward to that day where we will celebrate with all the others, standing in that congregation, side by side. There we'll see the 11 disciples. What was it like seeing Jesus there on the mountain? Have you told you that? Seeing the generations and generations after them. Those teachers who've taught us along the way, who've taught us about Jesus, as we saw last week. So there's hope and encouragement as we look to the end of the age. But here's the flip side to that. Knowing that there is this time coming where the age will end should bring us to a sense of urgency. Judgment is coming, so people need to know where salvation comes from. We cannot lose sight of that reality. People need to hear that Jesus will come to judge, that we all have fallen short of the glory of God, that we all deserve eternal punishment, and yet there is salvation only in Jesus. People need to hear that through Christ, you will not only have eternal life, but that Jesus will be with you. Emmanuel will be with you now, today. If you're here this afternoon and you're not somebody who would say, I'm following Jesus, would you hear this and turn to him? Would you say, yes, I give my life to Jesus, who has all authority over heaven and earth, who conquered death, who will come to judge, and who comes to save? Will you live for Jesus who says, trust me, because I'll be with you now, always, until the end of time? Will you submit to the greatest Lord? Will you walk with the greatest companion today? For those of us who are Christians, we work quite hard at that text, but I just hope you can see the beauty of what Jesus is saying to us here. Here is Emmanuel, God with us, who promises that he will be with us always. Who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. There is no greater friend, companion, master, Lord than Jesus. One who is always with you every minute of your life until the very end of the age. Who upholds you, who encourages you, who comforts you and strengthens you. So as we look to that one, the one who will be with us always until the very end of the age, I think there are three implications for us as a church as we, as we sort of land this. Here are the three things I just thought we could think about as we come away, as we conclude this series. The first is this, seek communion with Christ. Now, I wonder if you've ever been um, kind of rock climbing. You know, those big walls with those like, multicolored things that you can kind of grip onto. I remember when I first walked in and I saw the wall, I was like, I'm never going to do that. No way am I going to climb all the way up to the top. Until they tell you, uh, you pair up with somebody who basically acts as an anchor. So you get clasped to them, and they sit on the ground, and they basically pull you up as you keep going. That's how it works. And man, I was so glad to be strapped to somebody. Because no matter how high you go, you always know that anchor's there. You're strapped to them in case you lose your footing. As you climb, you, you keep checking, you're feeling, you hear their voice as they keep encouraging you to keep going. They tell you where to go, this way, that way. And you can say, are you, are you there? Are you with me? And you feel the tug. They're always there. You might not always see them, but you know that they are there. You can hear them. You can feel them. See, Christ is always 
with us. Seek him. Look for him. He's there with you. Sometimes you might not feel like he's there. In your excitement, in the challenge, in the discouragement, you might forget it. But look and listen carefully and check, and you will see he's always there, tugging, talking. Here are two simple places where we see this, where God has, that God has given to us so that we might be reminded that Jesus is always with us. Firstly, come to his word. It's a really simple thing. Just get into that pattern in your diary where you're spending time communing, communing with Jesus. Listen to him. See him there. Spend time praying to him. Talking to your Lord, your companion, your master, your shepherd. Walk in step with the spirit that was given to us. He who is there in us and with us. Listen to him speak through God's word in guiding you. The God who gives you a heart of peace and confidence to step out in faith and go and make disciples. But here's the other thing that was uh, really reminded me of as, as I grappled with this passage. The second place we see this a lot is in the body of Christ. Commune with his body. Remember this, Jesus, Jesus isn't speaking just to Peter here. He's speaking to the 11. This is you, plural. We often read the Bible so individualistically. But Jesus is saying this to his disciples collectively. This phrase, I am with you, reminding me constantly that he has established his body, Jesus Christ's body. That's the way the New Testament describes it. The church is a central place for us to know that Jesus is with us. Even in Matthew's gospel, he says, where two or three are gathered in Jesus' Jesus' name, there I am with him in Matthew 18 in the context of the church. Friends, do you realize Jesus has given us one another, has given us the globe church, as part of his body, to find communion with Christ here as we gather together. Now, I know this series has been a lot about kind of going, as we saw this command of Jesus to go and make disciples. And we naturally want to be thinking of that going aspect in our vision. But don't forget the gathering aspect. The gathering aspect is crucial in reminding us that Jesus is with us. See, as we gather, we hear God's word proclaimed in the context of Christ's body. Reminding us all together of Jesus' promise that he is here with us right now, today. As John teacher said a minute ago, as we gather together, we sing. We pray together to lift up our hearts and our souls to engage with our Lord, who is Emmanuel. And as we gather together, as we come together, we hear these stories, stories of baptisms. We're going to see in a few weeks' time. Stories of discipling, of people coming to Jesus, of growing in their faith. We remind each other of how Jesus is fulfilling this great commission in each of our lives, together, collectively, as the church body. Which is why even in our vision, we said, even as we go, we wanted to make sure we remember to go together. This isn't a solo mission. But we want to remember God has called us individually and collectively as a church. And we need to be thinking carefully about what, that, what does that look like for me? What does that look like for us as a serving team, as a focus group? What does that look like? Value gathering in the church. God has given us the church, his body, as a place for us to seek communion with Jesus, to remember that Jesus is with us. Here's the second thing. Have confidence in Christ. Come back to that image of rock climbing. As you're there, you're kind of halfway up that, that big wall where you're strapped to this anchor. And because you know you're strapped, you feel that tautness, that tightness, that security. You might not always see them, but you know that they're there, that anchor. And so every time you make progress, you make that one step, they tug and you feel that tight again. 
And you grow in that confidence to take that step one more and to keep going higher and higher. Have confidence in Christ. I know some of us sitting here might find the Great Commission really stimulating, going, yes, let's go, I'm raring to go. But I suspect for most of us, you'll find this quite daunting. Whichever side you fall on, all of us need to remember that Jesus is with us. He is our great companion. And so our confidence is found in him. For those of us raring to go, we have to remember to go with Jesus. Better yet, to remember that Jesus goes with us. So we don't build our confidence in our own abilities, our own smartness and clever ideas, but in his work through us. As we go to make disciples, it's to remember that we do this with Jesus at our side. There will be others of us sitting here thinking, oh man, I'm frozen. I don't know where to start. I don't know if I can do this. This is so overwhelming for me. But for those of us feeling that way, we need to remember that the Lord is with us always until the very end of the age. He says, I am, not I will, when you go. He says, always, every minute, I am with you. He never leaves us or forsakes us. That is why we can boldly step out with faith in Emmanuel to go and make disciples. Because our confidence is in Christ. So you remember last week, John T. mentioned that praying, why not pray for that one person you could get alongside in the church family to disciple them? Remember a few weeks ago, we prayed for that one person from the nations you could go towards and move towards. As you pray for them, as you seek to step out in faith towards these people, remember this. Jesus is with you always. Every minute you spend talking to them, every minute you spend engaging with them, every minute you spend praying for them in your room, and even if they reject you, Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. That is why we can have confidence. And if by God's grace we see people come to Jesus and they're growing in their faith, and we pray that many will, we don't then look back smug about what we did, but we praise Jesus, remembering he was with me in that all the way, guiding me, using my gifts to his glory. Not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. It keeps us confident in him and in him alone. See, Jesus says in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. It's a famous verse. And when we look out across London, the task is huge. Beyond London, even greater. But Jesus is with us. That is why we can step out in faith as he guides us. That is why we can go with confidence. Let me tell you a really encouraging story about a church in our, in, in our church networks. Um, they're actually a church both in Commission and FIC. Uh, Ricky Raja, he's a pastor of a church plant in, in Barkingside, East London with Esther. They officially launched in September 2021, so it's not been that long. And they're not huge. You, can't, you can imagine, they haven't got a lot of resources. They've got about 20 adults and 10 kids. But here's what they did when they stepped out in confidence. They didn't have resources to run a huge event or anything like that. All they did was they did a low-key walk-up street evangelism. That's it. Very little prep, just a team of seven of them with some coffee, just going and talking to strangers. One of these guys had never done this ever before in their life, and they were terrified, so nervous. And yet he remembered, Jesus promised, he's always with me. So he stepped out in faith knowing this, and he bumps into two guys, they start talking. And these guys, they'd never been to church before, but now they've come for three months every Sunday. They've done a Hope Explored course, and they're being integrated into the church community. 
There's a story, a simple story, nothing fancy, but just of someone who remembered that Jesus is with them, with his disciples. He's with us all, from small churches to established churches to mission partners we have in Nigeria, Vietnam, and France, with all of his disciples. That is why we can step out in confidence and be expectant. Here's the third and final thing. Find comfort in Christ. Come back with me to the wall that I'm, I'm climbing up. Sometimes as you climb, you, you, sometimes you try and, I, I, I try and show off sometimes, and you try and do a jump or something stupid, and you end up, uh, or, or your arms get really weary and you start slipping. And when that happens, you basically lose your footing and you're gone. But there, that anchor is there, pulling you taut, holding you up, saying, it's okay, I've got you, I'm with you. Even though I look like a muppet just hanging there off the side of the wall. Here's the point. You can find comfort when you feel weak, when you fall, because Jesus is with you. Matthew 10 to 11, Jesus sends his disciples out with that same message. Go and tell people the kingdom of heaven is near. And it sort of outlines a picture of what discipleship can look like. And as you read it, you quickly gather that this is not going to be easy. You will meet a lot of resistance, a lot of opposition. It's not going to be straightforward. You might have already experienced this in your Christian life if you've ever done this. And many of us, I know, have counted the cost of walking with Jesus. And maybe that's why you feel nervous. You feel daunted by this command of Jesus. But you have to remember, surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. That is where we find comfort. Not in comforts of this world, but in the comfort knowing that Jesus is with us. It's stark. Even in Matthew 10, as he describes discipleship, time and time again, he says to his disciples, but do not worry. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And as the disciples stand and look into his eyes now on this mountain, right at the end of Matthew's gospel, now that makes sense to them. We don't need to be afraid because Jesus is with us always to the very end of the age. So when opposition and resistance comes, when, when we face hostility because of our faith, because we're standing for Jesus and obeying him in the Great Commission and to go and make disciples, when you face disappointment, come and find comfort in the Good Shepherd who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Come and find comfort in the one who is gentle and lowly, who says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I shall give you rest. My burden is light, my yoke is easy. Find comfort in the one who says, surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. If you look back, these two verses have changed the face of human history. How could it be that these 11 men from Galilee set this entire world transformation into motion because Jesus was with them? How do we continue in this work? Because Jesus is surely with us always until the very end of the age. Friends, let's take heart. Let's commune with Emmanuel. God is always with us. Let's find confidence and comfort in him. And let's go and make disciples for his glory. Let's pray together. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Father, we are so thankful that the risen king 
our Lord and our Savior, the one who reigns on his throne, the one who conquered death and sin once and for all. We're so grateful that he is with us even today, even now. That he is with us always. He'll be with us right until the very end of the age. Father, would that comfort us in those moments where we feel it's so hard. Father, would that encourage us and give us confidence to step out in faith to go and make disciples of all nations, knowing that he is with us. Father, would it drive us to seek communion with him in a deep, deep way. Father, help us to remember that Emmanuel, God, is always with us. And would this bring you greater glory as we go out to fulfill what you've commanded us to do, to go and make disciples of all nations. And we pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen.